the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're married, give a good and warm, safe greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good, warm morning hug or welcome with a special social distancing safety, of course, to your children and to all those who you live with. Do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre, and good holy Sunday morning with God. Praise be the most holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stir up your mighty power, Lord. Come to our aid. Oh God, come to my assistance. Oh Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Let us pray this morning with Psalm 18. Lord, come take care of your vineyard. And today in the 21st century, I have uh, with me uh, Lara Logan over the phone, and I have a Patrick Hyde with me here in the studio. If I were to tell the Lord similar prayer to Psalm 80, I'll tell him, Lord, come take care of your business. You know, that's the vineyard today. The vineyard today is that there is unsettled business in the world, in the church, in the nations, in governments, in families, in all sectors of life. I mean, the whole business of the divinity is in a big, big mess. And that's not nothing bad. I think just God is giving us all the leeway to our freedom, to our human freedom. But remember, the human freedom has to be associated with the goodwill. You can't use just count, I have a freedom, without knowing that you also are endowed with goodwill. And also goodwill has to come with responsibility. And responsibility is this discerning factor between how are we using our free will and of course, we know the reference to the use of the free will and to having goodwill. And that is the love of God and the love of the neighbor. And today, we definitely have a problem in this regard. That's why we pray again and we say, stir up your mighty power, Lord, come to our aid. O shepherd of Israel, hear us. You who led Joseph's flock, shine forth from your cherubim throne. Upon Ephraim, Benjamin, Manasseh, O Lord, rouse up your might. O Lord, come to our help. God of hosts, bring us back. Let your face shine on us, and we shall be saved. Let us pray. Lord God, eternal shepherd, 
you so tend the vineyard you planted that now it extends its branches even to the farthest coast, even in the space. Look down on your church and on your people and come to us. Help us remain in your sun as branches on the vine that planted firmly in your love we may testify before the whole world to your great power working everywhere. So stir up your mighty power, Lord, come to our aid. Good Holy Sunday morning, my dearly beloved friends. And who is better to stir up the mighty power of God than uh, these wonderful, beautiful guests uh, that we have with us uh, over the phone, Lara Logan. Good Holy Morning to you, Lara. Good morning, Father. And we have with us in the studio, uh, Pat, a very wonderful gentleman and a friend. Um, good morning, Pat. How are you? Good morning, Father Andrew. How are you? Thank you. Well, you're going to be speaking the most, but I wanna, I, wa- I would like Lara to stir the pot, basically, to tell us um, <laughs> in, in regard about the... We're talking the Supreme Court ruling, of course, and um, this is not a political program, but it is important. You know, I, I'm a historian. And I studied historical theology. That was my PhD program, actually. And I noticed that once the legal system of a given country, such as the Supreme Court, starts justifying executive orders of government, it means we are in a time of a change. We are in a time of revolutionary time, almost. We have to read the sign of times. If um, the executive branch of a government or a government in general, policymakers, start issuing orders and there is this accumulation, we, we call it in Lebanese, there is aj'a. It's like you have a traffic of uh, um, laws to be interpreted or to be stopped or uh, uh, to be mandated or not mandated, pros and cons. Um, it's a big indicator that there is something in the nation is a changing. People are not happy with the system the way it was. And there is no clarity anymore about the rule of law. And that's why you take these mandates and executive orders. People use their uh, power to the absolute form. A president, instead of being fair, let's say, will say under specific circumstances, now I have the right to use my absolute power. And in such a way, democracy, freedom, family, private sectors, um, faith, um, I think will end up being in some sort of trouble. Lara, the ruling came out from the um, Supreme Court, basically, and definitely we saw that um, no vaccine mandate, no masking mandate, and no frequent testing mandate um, to happen in private sectors. But the, the health workers, as of this past week, just now this week, before the show, we found out that by March, all health workers in the U.S., um, working for, you know, institutions that accept Medicaid and Medicare must be vaccinated. And that's after the ruling of the Supreme Court. What do you think is happening before we go to the legal interpretations with Patrick in the studio? Well, I was disappointed to see so many people reporting this as a great victory because what it said to me is that the sovereignty of the human body which is, you know, as we are created by God, is something that we hold very dear. We've seen um, in history 
what it means when that is violated. And there is no greater example of that, no greater evil than Dr. Joseph Mengele, who did this in the camps in the Holocaust. And of course, I have been, you know, repeatedly attacked by certain people um, for making that comparison. Um, but the reason that I made it is that what we're talking about here, any kind of forced mandate, People say to me, doctors have said to me, ordinary people have said it to me, immunologists, scientists, and so on and so on, that they believe that when all is revealed, that Fauci, Fauci will go down as one of the biggest mass killers in history because he has violated this mandate, right, of what is sovereign over your body by um, with experimental medications, uh, by testing vaccines on, you know, um, on black foster children in seven states during the HIV um, epidemic and so on and so on. And so whether you make an exception for healthcare workers, um, it doesn't really matter. You're still violating the what you're doing is violating the principle of sovereignty over your body. And the Nuremberg Code, that was designed to stop people like Dr. Joseph Mengele from ever having that power again. Now already with the forced mandates, the head of the EU is talking about, um, you know, saying that we, we, we need to have conversations about having forced mandates all across the EU, which would mean repealing the Nuremberg laws and opening the way for many Dr. Mengele's, right? Because we don't know. I mean, as, as human beings, history is littered with examples of good leaders and bad leaders. And so what we know is that when we follow the laws of man, it, um, it most often leads us to a very dark place. But when we follow the laws of God, as are enshrined in the Constitution of the United States, then we are protected from ourselves. And when you have uh, the Supreme Court ruling that says, okay, we won't enforce it for private businesses, but we'll enforce it for health workers. What you've done is violate the principle of sovereignty of your own body. And um, and that means now the door is open for them to say, okay, well, we're also going to authorize it for these people and for these people and for those people. And then if it's not the vaccine, it's something else and something else and something else. And what we know, we know that the vaccine today, the way it's viewed is not the way it was viewed before it was put out and not the way we understood it when it was first implemented including so including so its so purpose it including our its understanding purpose. and our knowledge is changing yeah. and you're violating a principle based on knowledge that is far from certain i see well, well lara i really appreciate it this is uh, your opinion and i know you are an informed journalist as a matter of fact um, i don't approve or disapprove but that's why we are here to um, enlighten people a little bit so they can understand better uh, pat um, you, you heard um, Lara saying basically uh, there are people today who based on science and based on uh, the new as you as you always taught me as a matter of fact um, when you have a new information coming in um, a decision has to be in somehow reviewed now we have a decision that is from the greatest court basically on planet earth between you and me the Supreme Court of the United States of America but you have a new information, as Lara was saying, even in the definition of the vaccine, the purpose w for which it was intended. Um, the, um, um, I would say uh, the vaccine was intended, let's say, to stop the spread. It doesn't stop the spread, for instance. You have now majority people vaccinated are getting um, sick, including with the new variant, for, for instance. But then you have this ruling, and uh, Lara is, is comparing it somehow that any force mandate is a risk. And it could be compared to a Nazi mass killer program, whether whether they aimed it that way or did not aim it that way. What happened at the Supreme Court? 
Okay, first of all, let me say I agree with everything Laura said, and she certainly has stirred the pot. Uh, I think a lot of people were canonized because they were able to serve the, stir the pot, uh, and I think she's done a great job of that. Uh, what I want to talk about is the structure, the way the government is structured so that people cannot always grasp out indefinitely for this power, even though they want to, and they're inclined to do that. And that's why we have the balance of powers in our Constitution. As a matter of fact, the balance of powers uh, came as a result of, uh, of abuses of power by the aristocracy who had too much executive branch power. Absolutism, in the basically. That's exactly Just stop right. Absolutism. That's exactly right. And most of those, 95, 98% of those aristocratic kings and rulers, ruled for their own power, not for the help of the people. And that's why they kept going in the wrong direction to serve themselves. Did we succeed? Based on they the, did back then, but they just succeeded. No, the now I'm saying oh. based with this mandate <clears throat> ruling, do you see the Supreme Court having succeeded in balancing the powers? What they attempted to do was live up to the Constitution and the balance of powers, and they did a great job of actually analyzing where this power is supposed to come from. Did it come from their uh, specifically, did it come from there clearly, and therefore did the president, when he ordered his executive agents to write this standard, did he actually have the power to do so? And they drew a very careful line between the, okay, so we go to the balance of powers. We have the Constitution. Everybody has to follow the Constitution. The legislative branch has the power to write the laws and create powers by writing those laws. The executive branch has the right to enforce those laws, including the ability to interpret a law if it's not perfectly clear. They have the first opportunity with a badge and the gun to interpret it the way they think it has to be enforced. And then if that is a, a overreach of that power, then the private person has a right to go to court. And now we have the Supreme Court and all of the lower courts. The Supreme Court puts the lower courts together to handle these arguments as to whether or not the executive branch has, exert, has exceeded their power in attempting to enforce the law that they feel to be as unclear. Therefore, they have a right to interpret it, and they interpret it the way the president, who is elected by the people, has decided to interpret it, and then he gives his agencies... Uh, which the agencies have come through the power of legislation. These agencies were created by the legislative branch. In the, and in this particular case, they're executive agencies, so they're under the direct influence of the secretary and the president of the United States. So he's going to interpret it the way he thinks he wants to interpret it based on his political this, situation. This is Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre and with Lara Logan over the phone and Patrick here in the studio talking about the uh, latest Supreme Court ruling over the mandate, um, you know, Lara said something very important. There is a principle over the human body, and the principle is that nobody has the right to execute or to erect a law that would violate my autonomy, my sovereignty, she called it. She called it. That's my country. That's my land. I am sovereign in my body. I think she's putting a challenge on the table for all of you as policymakers and the judges that they may not have competence to say that the health workers are exempt and they must take the mandate therefore that's what i think the point she's making am i right lara can you clarify is that is that right uh, distinction well, i think 
Um, Father Andre, you're right. There's two points here. And one point is what Patrick is talking about, which is, you know, what do you have the legal right to do under the Constitution as the executive branch and as the judicial branch and so on? And um, and then there is another point is when the justices make this ruling, they consider the uh, the circumstances, right? Which means then they look at the case of healthcare workers as distinct from private businesses and they make a judgment and an assessment on that. My my personal feeling, based on talking to uh, scientists and doctors and healthcare workers, nurses and others on the front line, is that many of them have had COVID and have natural immunity. And we know that natural immunity is more effective. The, the pharmaceutical companies have admitted that natural immunity is more um, uh, effective than the vaccine. So how do you justify um, a vaccine that if you look at the vaccine compensation fund, which is the branch of the, you know, falls under the U.S. government, that's the official government fund that compensates the victims, people who've been injured by the vaccine. And look at the growing number of myocarditis cases and others, right? Um, and you know that there's a risk associated with taking the the vaccine. It may be a tiny, tiny risk. People can argue that it's infinitesimal if they like. Others feel that it's not that small. But the point here is not the size of the risk as much as the principle that if someone is already immune from a disease and they've been a heroic figure working on the front line, risking their lives to treat people from the very beginning of the pandemic, that they should now be condemned to unemployment and all of the other things that go along with that, the distress, the destabilization to their families, the loss of income, some of them maybe the loss of more than that, that why are they going through all of that purely to be vaccinated for something they already are protected from because they have natural immunity. I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't, it's not logical, but more importantly, in a, uh, in the sense of principle, you are, you are punishing and persecuting um, the people who not so long ago you held up as the heroes of this pandemic. Oh, hold on. By the way, I think earlier this week, um, based on our doctor's team at the Mission of Hope and Mercy, which we really encourage people to, and we thank him for continuing assisting our efforts in the mission of hope and mercy with a save, educate, and aid for the Christian persecuted in the world and in Lebanon at this point. I want to tell you, I think there has been already a CDC published article, you may want to check it out or you know about it already, that they upheld the priority of natural immunity. They did say that natural immunity holds up higher than um, other yes. elements in the in the, the CDC published it just this week, I think. Absolutely. All across the world. But this came after the actual mandate, Patrick. And it seems that also the, the mandate, if I'm not mistaken, you, you, you correct me if I'm mistaken, both of you. Um, the final decision does not prohibit or prevent the U.S. president or any branch of a government, as a matter of fact, from issuing another mandate at any time. So the principle is still at risk. The, the 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 Supreme Court, it seems like, and I want I want you to comment, Pat, on the actual uh, per curiam, the actual decision, basically, of the Supreme Court. Why it didn't prohibit that such mandates period they cannot be issued from now on? Okay, let before I answer that question, get into the uh, the case itself. Let me address uh, legally and, and legal structure uh, Laura's uh, uh, concerned here, and she's absolutely right. And the Constitution is not the final rule. It's the final rule that has been given to men, people who give this power to the government to assert their will. But this Constitution is under the will of God, and the Constitution itself says 
that God gives us the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the Constitution cannot take that away from any of us. And when we make our mistakes, our huge mistakes uh, historically as mankind, we forget the part that we cannot take life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness from human beings. Pursuit of happiness, as you mentioned in the uh, in the introduction, comes from God's free will, and it comes from God, so it can only be used in a good manner. Freedom and free will, even though we have the choice to be evil and we will suffer from it if we choose evil. It, it has, has to be, it's bound that's to be exactly used in right. good way, in good Therefore, manner. Therefore, the Constitution has to follow that, and when they try to dig into the Constitution and find these rights to people the, to use their uh, you know irresponsible activity in a way that's protected somehow by the Constitution, they forget the fact that they can't do that because we have a right to a pursuit of happiness, not a pursuit of, uh, of irresponsible responsibleness from God. So, structurally, that's where we are okay. in terms of what the Supreme Court is saying. Now, number two, let's get a little bit more to the structure of the case. In order for anybody to act, it, as far as the Supreme Court is concerned, when they're analyzing it inside the Constitution, that authority has to first of all come from the Constitution, and then the laws that this, that are written by the uh, legislature, signed by the president, put into effect. Now, some of these laws because of the complexity of our society, the expertises, especially the agencies developed since 1935, where you have to have engineers writing rules for aviation, government aviation. You have to have human health service for the for uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and you need doctors to help write those rules. There's a process of writing all those rules. Uh, and They aren't the best in the world for emergency situations because it takes months and months for the agency to use their, their notice uh, and comment program to get all the experts to comment about, is this a good rule? Should we pass it? 30 days, get comments, change the comments because of the comments, another 30 days waiting. So you've got six months, eight months. So there might be an emergency that requires a way of interpreting the law so that in an emergency, or as the court brought out, what if it's not an emergency, but the law allows it anyone, uh, uh, but it just can't be done fast enough, even if it's not an emergency. They even talk about the two definitions of necessity, one of them being absolute necessity if it's not an emergency, but only a normal necessity if it is an emergency. And then they use uh, uh, Mario versus Madison, necessary and proper. It not only has to be necessary, but it also be proper. So there's a long way of passing a law. Not only that, if Congress is going to pass a law, it takes years for the 365 people to decide which way is the right direction and which way is the wrong direction, and it takes years sometimes for them to write and agree to pass a law. So in an emergency or in a non-emergency, how much have they already given out? And in an emergency, they will even grant the executive branch who is the, going to enforce this law even more power. So they ask specific questions about, is this an emergency? Justice Barrett said, well, what? how long is this emergency going to last if it's an emergency and if we decide in this way, or if it's not an emergency, when it ends, how much power do they still have under the normal thing? Well, so, I want to bring us back to, to okay. normality of a Sunday morning. This is good Sunday morning okay. with God, basically. People sitting in their homes. We have Lara, we have you, Pat, um, in the studio. Um, how will this opinion of the Supreme Court affect what can we do now i want to i want to give you the word to say and based on the ad curiam when the family is sitting together after prayer after they go to the holy mass let's say they come back and i want to say so what is my position now from the vaccine okay and your first question is what will the president do now with this order right this order because they went through all of the specific details of the power that was given 
to this branch of the government, to Health and Human Services, for administering the Medicare Medicaid program, which included fighting uh, diseases in that program. And um, uh, so they've decided that the, the, the two, the, the, the majority and the minority, the main argument was, do we give this type of power, which th- was going to cause this many problems, under these circumstances, to this president alone to do this, or should Congress actually be forced to write another law addressing this problem because they're the ones that didn't give the power clear enough to one of these agencies in the first place, or did they actually give the power clear enough to one of these agencies? Now, the majority opinion, the per curiam opinion, says in the area of Medicare and Medicaid where it gave them the permission to do this, and they actually studied and got approval from FDA at the time that the issue, this decision was issued, that the FDA said, yes, this is the best way to handle the problem, you know, in March of 2020, and that they approved in, uh, uh, you know, 20, uh, December 20, the vaccines were effective and they would be the best way to do this. The agency guarded with that decision from their experts, the FDA, that which the Supreme Court majority uh, accepted, and so did the minority. We have one minute to conclude this episode, actually. Believe it or not, it, it went very quickly All right. by, by God's divine grace. So, um, in, conclusion, uh, so in conclusion, in conclusion, as far as the mandate of uh, Medicaid and Medicaid, the Supreme Court, with the evidence that they had available in the lower courts, nothing since then. They had to rule in favor of it because the rule was the power was given to them, and it was not given to the, the OSHA because they didn't have that power. I, I like us to do another episode about this with both of you. Let us cry out of the depth. I call to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my cry. May your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. May God bless us on this holy Sunday. And thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 6 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.